If you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to John chapter 16. It's coming to the end of Jesus' life, and uh, clearly Jesus is speaking of a specific event in this chapter. It's the event that everything in John flows to and points to. Jesus' death, burial, and ultimately his resurrection. We're just a few pages away. In a few pages, Jesus is going to be tortured and killed. The disciples are going to be scattered. And in their grief and mourning and pain, they're even going to go into hiding. But in a little while, suddenly, Jesus says their grief will turn to wonderful joy in the resurrection. That's the surface level of this text. For sure, Jesus is foreshadowing this future event that's definitely going to happen. But there's a deeper current here. And uh, I I can never seem to get away from it. Whenever we enter into this text, whenever we look at this text, there's a current, and maybe you picked up on pieces of it, that seems to resonate with people. C.S. Lewis called it this. He called it the problem of pain. I remember the phone call. It was in my first, uh, first real job as a student minister in Florida. I was at home one night and the phone rang and uh, we found out that one of the students in my student ministry uh, who had been healthy and for no, no reason that we know, uh, without reason and without warning, suddenly died in his sleep. Uh, He was an African-American kid and uh, a a great kid. Uh, I remember uh, his funeral. Uh, Have you ever been to an African-American funeral? They're different and better in a lot of ways. Um, I'm, I'm 41, and I have been to three infant funerals with the small shoebox sized coffins. Uh, They tenderly carry them to this special corner of the cemetery. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's a place reserved for the young. It's a place reserved for children. A lot of times there's toys around. I've seen marriages collapse and families destroyed. I've seen suicide and abortion. I've been to far too many hospice units. I've seen accidents and addiction, death, disease, abuse, injustice, shame. And I've seen a lot of suffering. I've been there holding men and women as they cry out to God, asking why. Have you been there? I've also been there to see the well-intentioned Christian response to pain and suffering and grief. And I say well-intentioned because a lot of times and far, maybe far too often, the Christian response to pain and suffering and sorrow and grief is more hurtful than helpful. You know what I mean? 
I kind of categorize the Christian response sometimes to, to pain and suffering to, to two distinct groups. The first group are the comparers and the competitors. When someone experiences pain or heartache or grief or suffering, there's some tragic event that happens. There's always the Christian there that says, that same thing happened to me. Just wait. It's going to get worse before it gets better. They're the comparers, but then they're also the competitors, right? Like you share your pain, you share, they see the tragedy, they see how hurtful it's been, and they go, oh, yeah, man, I know that hurts. Mine was so much worse than yours. They say things like, I wish I had it as good as you. And you think, man, no one would ever say that, but it happens. The second group, uh, it, Past the comparers and the competitors, the second group of Christian responders are the dissolvers and the resolvers. And I think these maybe are the, potentially the most hurtful. In the face of tragedy or suffering, the dissolvers just want to somehow deny it, just somehow like push it away, cover it up. Um, they say things like, well, it's, it's just not that bad, or, or maybe you just need to pray more, have more faith, right? The resolvers are, and I have to repent of this because if, if I'm anything on this list, I have been the resolver more than all of them. I, uh, it, was, it, it, it's, it was well intended, but in the face of grief or struggle or pain or sorrow, my instinct is to jump in and just fix it. Um, I feel like this maybe afflicts guys worse than girls. I don't know if that's true, but that's my instinct. I want to say, sure, yeah, you're hurting, but just shake it off. It's time to get over it, right? You broke your arm. Just rub some dirt in it. You'll be fine. In one of those... Um, Moments where my friend's child died. I had a classic Christian responder resolver walk up to the father of this child at the cemetery and put his arm around him and say, you know, this is all part of God's plan and he's going to make it work out for good. Then I took him outside and killed him, you know, like, or at least I wanted to. You see, pain is, is a problem, uh, not just for the, the non-Christian, but for the Christian too, because we often don't know how to deal with it. And, and, and so what I want to take a look at, just, just for a few minutes, if you'll bear with me, and, and maybe you see this in this text, is I, I just want to look at Jesus' own example to the problem of pain. In chapter 16, at the very end of verse 33, the first half of this verse, I think maybe I have it on the screen. Jesus himself says, here on earth, you will have many trials. And what's the word? Literally, like the, the, the Greek text is that those trials and sorrows mean, mean pressure. It means hemmed in, like the walls are closing in, confined and restricted. 
Uh, it, it makes me think like trials and sorrows makes me think about the pressure of like a python as it wraps around you. And I, and I think this is helpful for the problem of pain because the first thing that Jesus does is acknowledges the pain. And this is something all of us can learn from. Jesus is not interested in somehow whitewashing the pain away. He's not somehow interested in sugarcoating pain and sorrow. He, he's not willing to sweep it under the rug. He says, here on earth, this is going to happen. Pain is real. And it's okay to say, this really hurts. But Jesus doesn't just acknowledge the pain. I think Jesus uh, gives us permission to respond to, to, respond to pain. And, and, and I think scripturally, if you look at the text, you see that the proper response to pain is to grieve. In the Bible, there is lots of grieving. Look what it says in Psalm 44. This is known as one of the lament psalms. Wake up, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Get up. Do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? We collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. Rise up. Help us. Anyone ever felt like this? You know, there's tough stuff in this. Even in John 16, Jesus says, if you just ask in my name, God's going to give it to you. If you just ask, why don't you just ask? Just ask in my name. And I said, so I know you haven't done this before, but if you ask in my name, of course the Father's going to give it to you. But sometimes it feels more like this, right? Like the psalmist accuses God of being asleep on the job, right? Wake up, oh Lord, where are you? Don't you see that I'm hurting? Don't you see that I'm struggling? And I think what we're to see in this is that the proper response to pain is to grieve. Even Jesus in, in verse 20 of John 16, he says, I tell you the truth. That, that phrase, like it's translated the New Living Translation, it's I tell you the truth. But, but the real text says, amen, amen. Jesus says, amen, amen, as in, as in going, okay, this is a true thing that I'm about to tell you. You need to prepare yourself. Like this is, this is a big thing I'm about to hit you with a very real thing. He says, amen, amen, you will weep and mourn. Amen, amen, you will grieve. And that word grieve is, is the deep pain. Grieve is the sound of childbirth. It's to lament, to moan, to cry, to wail, to sob, to beat your chest. You see, I think Jesus demonstrates to us that not only is pain real, the proper response, and this is hard, you need to, you need to hold on to them. Maybe this doesn't seem like a big deal, but this is a big deal. The proper response to pain is to grieve. It's to grieve. 
Because when you're in pain, time is distorted. You ever have that experience? Like a one second of pain feels like an hour or a week or a year, right? You know what I'm saying? Like when things are hurting, the clock seems to stop and it just, you get in that place. And like maybe some of you have had kids and you know, like when your kid falls or breaks something or hurts something, you know, like they cry out. And what's the cry? Like, when is it going to stop? When is it going to end? When is this pain going to be over? And I think Jesus gives a response to that, even in, in chapter 16 and verse 16. Uh, I, I love this text because it's repeated like three or four times. Like there's, like there's a reason that this is so repetitory. It's supposed to sink in and somehow get your attention. But Jesus says, in a little while, you won't see me anymore. But then in a little while after that, you will see me again. And I think there's, there's two important lessons that he teaches us in, about the problem of pain in these words. He says, in a little while, literally in Greek, it's micros. You know what micros means already, right? Micro. It's small or little. Jesus says, in a little while. And, and what he's saying to those who are grieving or in labor or sorrow or facing trials and sorrows, what he's telling them is what, one of the things that I tell everyone that I go and see in the hospital Everyone in the hospital feels like time is taking forever, right? They always want to know, when is it going to end? And the message I tell them every single time, I think it's shared here with Jesus. Jesus' own message is, it's temporary. It's temporary. Now, a couple important things about telling somebody who's suffering that, hey, this is temporary, is I don't want you in telling them that it's temporary. It's not somehow like a denial of the pain, right? It, it, it's not somehow like, like pushing it away. Like I think too many of us have made the mistake when someone is struggling or suffering, too many of us have made the mistake of, of somehow denying the pain. Like, like don't do that. Jesus never sweeps it under the rug. But he also puts a perspective on it that says this thing is a real thing that you're facing but this thing that you're facing is temporary and that's hard to hear for someone because remember when you're in pain time stops right it feels like it's going to last forever so if you can in a way that acknowledges the pain without somehow trying to resolve it or dissolve it remind somebody that this is temporary. It can be helpful. The second thing Jesus says in this text is, a little while after that, you will see me again. You will see me again. Like, do you see that it's not an answer for the pain and Jesus doesn't make excuses for it. He doesn't try to deny it or solve it. A few verses in front of this, if you want to back up into the beginning of chapter 16, Jesus actually says, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't go, then the advocate or the spirit of truth won't come. It's best that I go away, but I will send someone to stand in my place. 
Second thing I give you permission to say to somebody who's suffering or grieving, one is it's temporary. And the second thing, and the, really the, maybe the most powerful thing that you can say to somebody is, you are not alone. That in your pain, in your struggle, God has not somehow like forgotten about you. Ever felt like that? That's the, that was the Psalm 44, right? God, where are you at? Why are you sleeping? Where I need you. And to come in with a kind and gentle reminder that God has not abandoned you can be an incredibly powerful thing. So, in light of this text, I just want to create some space for you to respond. Um, it's, been a, it's been a tough season for some of you. By virtue a little bit of my position, I get to know some things that maybe not everyone is fully aware of. I can tell you without, without divulging or breaking any confidences, um, my, the couch in my office has seen more than its fair share of tears this year. We just, as a church, have a lot of people who are hurting. I got the call last night from Lee Coulter. We've been praying for Lee's mom. She's been in hospice this week, and uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but Lee's dad, while his wife has been in, while while Lee's dad's wife has been in hospice, Lee's dad broke his hip. And as Lee's dad was coming out of surgery, out of hip surgery, Lee's mom died last night. And Lee just texted me and he said, you know, today's just been a tough day. He's just hurting. And he's not alone. I know that there are those of you who are hurting too, who have ex are experiencing the grief and sorrow. I know there are those of you that have been crying out to God like the psalmist. I know there are those of you wondering, when is it ever going to end? And if that's you this morning, or, or maybe you're connected to somebody that's in that season of grief and pain, we want to do something special. In just a minute, I'm going to say a prayer, and uh, I'm going to dismiss you to communion time, and we've got the table with the elements set up around the room, but, but we just want to make a place to pray for you. Now, I want to qualify this. If you're hurting or grieving or, or have some pain, uh, we're not up here to say magic words to take it all away. We're not up here to somehow deny it or resolve it or compete it against it or compare against it. We simply want to do one thing in this response space. If you'll let us, we just want to stand with you. We just want to say as a church, if, if you are hurting, if there is some struggle you are facing, we, we want to say you are not alone. And in your grief, we stand beside you.
So here's what I'm going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer, and 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 we honestly, we're just creating space for this to happen. I don't I don't know how the Spirit is moving in you. Uh, maybe your guest here going, oh man, this is super weird. But if God's moving in you, I, I invite you to respond. And uh, I'm going to invite our our elders. I'm going to invite Kim up here. I'll invite AC to come up here. They're all here just to pray for you. And uh, if there is some way that we can stand with you and pray for you, we we want to do that. Um. We, again, I don't really know how long this is going to take. It's, can we just be okay that it takes as long as it needs to take? Are, are, you guys, are you okay with that? Okay. All right, why don't you do this? Why don't, in, in, in symbolic fashion, why don't you stand? And as I pray, let's stand with those who are hurting and grieving. I'll go ahead and invite those, if, uh, if I called you out, or our elders or leaders or AC, Bob, you guys go ahead and come forward. And while you take communion, we'll just be here ready to receive you and stand beside you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for its depth and its truth. And uh, God, I've, I've, struggled, I've struggled with this word. God, I know there are so many in our midst that are, that are hurting and uh, just have experienced just a lot of sorrow and, and loss. And, and so, Father God, we, we just, this morning, uh, in your stead, we want to stand with those who are hurting. We want to stand with those who are in pain. We want to we want to bring what we we don't have any I don't know that I, I don't have any special power but God how we can where we can we we want to we want to bring some some comfort and so God we just ask you that you would bless this time and that that you would stir in hearts maybe people feel weird about responding or coming forward in some way God man remove all of that because this is such a powerful and important moment God. Bless us as we enter into this space. Stand beside us. Love you, Father. In your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen. I invite you to a time of communion and response. I want to be gentle with this next part. The the first thing is, uh, for for everyone who is hurting or experiencing some grief, uh, m- kind of one of the first things I generally tell them is, man, you you have permission to feel everything that you need to feel. Uh, you need to be angry, be angry. You need to be sad, be sad. What, whatever it is you need to feel, you you have permission, and you have that permission from us always. And, and so, I, I want to give you that permission. Feel what you need to feel, and. Uh, uh, I, I don't want us to ever push people or somehow push people out of the, the grieving process too quickly. Have you ever felt that a little bit? Like, I, I, I want to give you that space, but, uh, and, and, and again, hear me say this, like, I think grief is the proper response, but, but I, I wouldn't ever want any of you to be in your grief forever. I want to acknowledge it. I want you to feel it. But I don't want you to live there forever. And so this next section is, is just for when you're ready. Okay? 
Some of you, this may not be a right now, but, but when you're ready, I invite you to read that second half of John 16, 33, the second half of what Jesus has to say. He begins by saying, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And that's, frankly, that's just where some of you are at, and that's okay. But when you're ready, it literally says, with courage radiating up from within, take heart. When you're ready, take heart. Because, and this is a big because, like everybody with a highlighter should highlight this because, because it's important. With the big because, Jesus says, I have overcome, the word is Nike, really. It's to walk away, to carry off the field victorious. Jesus says, I have overcome the cosmos. Sometimes people say when someone is grieving or hurting it, and I know it's not ill-intended, and maybe you've done it. I've probably done it too. You've walked into somebody's grief and said, you know, this is all part of God's plan. And I want to say, no, it's not. No, it's not. God's plan was never death. God's plan never involved pain or suffering. Go back to Genesis. Look for yourself. That wasn't the plan. The pain and, and struggles we experience in this, this world are a result of our own rebellion. And not to mention there are other forces at work here too. Still, God has never stopped trying to redeem and restore us to himself. And Jesus reminds us, in a little while, that work will be completed. If you look at the whole story of scripture, it begins in a garden where we are living the fullness of life with God. And if you fast forward all the way to the end, we're in a garden city doing that exact same thing. And this space of pain and suffering and sorrow in an in-between space is a little while. In verse 22, the last verse I'll share with you today from chapter 16, Jesus says, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. What I would tell you today is like what we did and, and even standing up here today is you, hopefully you see a willingness in this church to stand, in your, in, to stand beside you in your grief and pain, but also uh, hopefully you see a reminder that pain is only part of the story. As Christians, men and women who trust the promises of God, we have reason to hope. We have reason to hope for the future. So I hope this morning God's word has spoken to you powerfully. Maybe you've, you were hesitating and sitting there, and, and I don't want to put undue pressure. We're not here to, to, to try to put your stuff on display, but as we sing this final song, I'm going to invite this crew to just stand where they're at.
there's still space for us to pray for you and to stand beside you. Why don't you stand? Father God, bless us in this space. Keep your arms close beside us. Help us to feel what we need to feel. God, help us to stand alongside those who are with us. Father God, where we can and when we're ready, help us to take heart, to trust your promises, to see that you have overcome the world and that you will see each of us restored and redeemed one day. We love you, Father, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen. Why don't you sing with me?